At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone but not just anyone alma is there to help you find the right fit visit helloalma.com therapy 30 to schedule a free consultation today that's helloalma.com therapy 30 welcome oh i don't know what just happened there welcome back to season probably <laughs> book nation I am Kofi Outlaw here with my co-hosts Janelle Wheeler and Matthew Aguilar. Hey guys. What up? Today we have a lot to do. We got a lot on the Marvel side as we react to the uh, Song-Chi, that's how we say it, trailer. We also got to talk about the Falcon and Winter Soldier finale. We're dropping our theories before it all goes down this Friday. We got to talk about a big new casting in the MCU and... We also got to, of course, talk DC and Marvel's latest comic releases. So we are going to get into all that. But up first, this weekend, there was a big movie dropping on HBO Max and in theaters. It is the Mortal Kombat reboot. We have not seen a thing about it, but we did have somebody who has seen it and is here to give us just some first spoiler-free impressions. Welcome to the show. You guys, a lot of you guys have been asking for him, so we had to get him in here. Daily Distraction host, comedian extraordinaire, Mr. Chris Killian is with us today. Yeah. Oh, that's such a nice intro. Thanks, Kofi. I appreciate it. Yeah, when they gave me like the the uh, kind of like tag card that they paid me to read for our employee guests, they were like, "This is what we've come up with," and I was like, "That is nice. I can definitely yeah, really sell." Nice. I hope you got paid well. No, uh, I'm just kidding. Not dude. not at all in my salary. So with Mortal Kombat, I've, I've seen it twice, and uh, please stop. I'm, I've had a lot of coffee this morning, so I'm so pumped to talk about it. <laughs> so you guys stop me if I start to say, like, too much stuff. You're like, oh, no, no, it's a spoiler or whatever. Just just please feel free to cut me off. I uh, But I'm so excited for everybody to see it. I think it's amazing. Uh, I might be biased because I was down in Australia for the set visit, and so I saw a lot of this stuff in person, and, and then, I, you know, then COVID happened, and and, you know, we couldn't see it and it's been delayed. And I, I've been telling everybody for over a year that this is like going to be a super. Well, look, look, not to interrupt you, not to interrupt you. But I mean, to be fair, that can sometimes work the bad, like in a bad way for you. Right. When you go down to set and you see things and then you have to see the finished product. I've been let down by quite a few movies that way. But uh, it's good to hear that it might be the opposite for you. Yeah, I. OK, so I. It might be the opposite for it might be the opposite for me. It is the opposite for me. I definitely love the movie. I think it's a great, great, fun movie, and I'm really trying not to spoil anything because there's a lot of uh, uh, cool stuff in the film. But uh, I also got to watch the uh, I watched it a second time with the original Scorpion from uh, from the '95 Mortal Kombat movie. Chris Casamassa like sat on my couch with me and watched it, so that was like a big geek out <laughs> moment. So then I'm like, well, I just love the shit out of this movie. Can I say that? I don't know if I can say that. No, but it's too late now. <laughs> It's too late now. I'm sorry, guys. I love the. No, we we actually got a PG-13 rating for uh, for uh, season three, so you can really, yeah, we can push a Nolan Dark Knight kind of line right now. So I think we get like one. 
I did tell okay, you that. Okay. That's, that's, the, that's the first one. This is a PG-13 show. That's the only one that I get. I uh, But no, I, I, I love the movie. I will say that like Kano steals it. Like Kano is hilarious in this movie. From for me, I think that he's the he's probably the best part of the movie. Uh, Sub Zero is like downright scary at times. Like he's almost like a movie monster, kind of like Michael Myers or or Jason Voorhees. Like he's very like stalkerish in his goals. And and I I found uh, Joe Taslim as Sub Zero to be amazing. Uh, Cole Young uh, is a new addition to the the Mortal Kombat family. He's played by Louis Tan. He's great. Everybody is great. I really enjoy the movie. And as far as like action goes, I mean, if, if you're a Mortal Kombat fan and you just want to, that's the one thing that we've been missing, right? From Mortal Kombat movies for the last like 30 years is they've always tried to like kid friendly it up and kind of make it PG-13. This is R, like this is hard R, like the, like some of the fatalities in this movie are like legit. So just a lot of fun stuff. Um, I don't know if you guys have any questions about it. I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to start spilling too much, uh, too many details, but I, I had a lot of fun with it. I enjoyed it more the second time that I watched it. I'm excited to watch it this Friday in theaters. So, so we know. I mean, it's no secret that video games get a like a stigma in the movie business is kind of having the video game movie curse. I mean, we've we feel like we're starting to come out of that in some ways, but this doesn't feel kind of like weighed down by the games or or its need to kind of wink and say, ah, we are based on a video game or anything like that. Any yeah. kind of interruptions to the otherwise you know what looks to be a real cinematic effort to create mortal combat yeah i i think that like the video game curse to me is a little like that's kind of old news i feel like there's a few movies that have kind of broken that mold over the you know last few even the first mortal Kombat is like it doesn't age particularly well especially with the cgi but it's still a fun movie you know what i mean like i still like that movie um we had sonic the hedgehog you know which was kind of you know a fun movie like we we've had decent video game movies at this point now. So I don't think that the video game curse still applies, but uh, as far as Mortal Kombat, like the new one goes, I mean, it's, it's a great first ever. It is not a perfect movie. There are things about it that, that I was a little frustrated with, but, um, but overall, I think it's like a step in the right direction, especially when you consider where we came from with like Mortal Kombat Annihilation being like the last big screen you know, version of Mortal Kombat we got. I like do not know what you are referring to. <laughs> you guys know what I'm referring to, right? Of yeah, course. Yes. Like no, <laughs> I don't know. I have never heard of a movie by that name. Uh, so, okay. So I am actually quite curious because you said Kano steals the movie. And I did yeah. not ever think I would hear that sentence. <laughs> in regards to to anything, Austin is like if there is a star making performance in this movie, it is that guy. Like he is going to come out of this. I think is like the like I think a lot of people are going to be talking about how good Kano was. That's insane. Nice. I did not. I, yeah, I, I did not. I, I feel I'm not that surprised because Kano is like one of those characters. I feel like you either get really right or you get like really wrong, and it and it just is horrible. Um, mm -hmm. And just his delivery in the trailer, in the Red Band trailer at the end, where he like rips the heart out of something, and he's just like Kano wins, you effing beauty. And I was <laughs> like, that is such a hard line because that is a video game line. Mm -hmm. It's like a cheesy action like one liner, and he sells it and made it like really funny. Um, yeah. And it's while fantastic. kind of making this character feel just like a scumbag that you would root for, you know, and I kind of right. and I kind of dug that.
So he's definitely a love to hate him kind of guy. He's a lot of fun uh, and, and a comedic relief for for most of the movie. I think. Um, you did reference the original Mortal Kombat, um, and I know that like in that original movie, uh, Sonya Blade was like a big part of that. What can mm-hmm. you say about her character performance? Like, how's that he's, set back up? Just as big a part in this movie, like Sonya Blade's very important and she's got some real cool moments to shine. Jessica um, plays her and she's awesome. Uh, I got to talk to her. She's a, She does a great job as Sonya. And I think that the only reason I don't reference her is because like it's, it's like a shining part of the movie is because Kano just I, yeah. Kano pretty much steals it from everybody that he's in because he, he just has some great lines in, in there. But uh, Sonya definitely has her, her moments as well. I'm excited for people to see what she does as Sonya Blade. And and they and they're clearly setting up for a, a fran like like Warner Brothers wants this to be a franchise, right? I Good. mean, they're clearly setting up for a second movie, and <laughs> um and I and I think that it's, I think that they are definitely headed in the right direction. I feel like with Mortal Kombat, I'm just gonna admit this. I'm gonna age myself. The original Mortal Kombat movie is one of my top five favorite movies of all time. So as as a kid, like I get very sentimental with movies. So for me. I bought the soundtrack for that movie and I, I would play it out and do like choreography to every single song and envision which I character was I was with you be. up until that sentence. I was, I with was you. so curious what the soundtrack is going to be like for this. Do you like, how did you feel the, about the music? The music is amazing in this movie and they, I'm so happy that they keep that mortal Kombat theme. I mean, to me, that's like, it's such an iconic and it's more yeah. directed to the movie. It's not the video games, right? They made that whole techno track for the movie. And so yeah. the fact that that's kind of stayed and, and it, you know, in the way that the Spider-Man theme has kind of stuck around through the years um, for Spider-Man, it's the same thing here with Mortal Kombat. I mean, there's a few, awesome. it's like a very orchestra version of it. It's not techno like it was back in 95, but it's a, um, they definitely hit that dun, 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 you know, no, a few times in in the movie in the right spot, so it, the and they still have the screamer Mortal Kombat. No, I don't think the scream is in there. I hey. think they, the notes are in there, like you know what song it is. <laughs> you they must provide your own scream. Okay, I'll do it in the theater loudly. <laughs> That's what we. It's just got to be like uh, it's just going to be a crowd interaction thing where that you crowd chimes in. <laughs> oh, please yeah. don't, because if that happens, like someone's going to be saying "Tusty" and like in the corner, <laughs> and like other people, like there's so many of those callbacks <laughs> in Mortal Kombat, like you'll never hear. So them good though. Yeah, I mean it's gonna. I mean it's got to happen. After a while, once you're famous enough, you know any musical act, you, you don't sing your own chorus anymore. You just oh, that's true. To do it. Yeah, you. Gotta, that's how you know you've made it when you can yeah. put the mic out. And people sing your stuff. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So Mortal Kombat's going to flex like that and we'll all scream <laughs> in theaters safely now. So, uh, Chris Kelly, my final question, I guess, would be as somebody, I don't assume you have like dipped your toe into a whole lot of like the more recent Mortal Kombat games. Did that hamper you in any way of understanding? You are assuming wrong. I don't know why no. you're assuming this, but I play Mortal Kombat 11 all the time. I have like three games that I play. And Mortal Kombat 11 is one of them. Of course, so, that's that's it in this Russian roulette game. I would hit. <laughs> All right, yeah, but uh, well, you can still count me out. Do you need to be a player of the more recent games to get the full understanding? No, of no, no, no. I, I don't. I don't think so. I, in fact, um, uh, my girlfriend uh, watched watched it with me, and and uh, she was not the biggest Mortal Kombat fan. Now, and it, the movies kind of turned her into a fan because now she's been like 
playing the game a bunch with me and she's like obsessed with some of the, these characters now. And so she's like, like she loves Scarlet and Scarlet's not in the movie, but she's in the game. And uh, she, so she's kind of turned on to it now because of that. So um, no, I don't think you have to uh, just strictly be a fan of the games to enjoy the movie. Everything else I want to ask you is is totally spoiler field, so I cannot. I know, I know, because all I, 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 I want to do is like, oh my what, god, Katana! Like that's all I want to do. Matt, what about your boy from Power Rangers? He's carrying this movie. How does he do? Oh, that's right. Yes, that's right, Ludi. Your boy from Power Rangers. Yeah, buddy. Twenty seventeen. I love you. Twenty seventeen reboot. Ludi Lin, man. Oh, Ludi. Oh, that Power Rangers. I was thinking the show. I forgot about Ludi. Yeah, no, Ludi's great. I love Ludi. He's he's perfect as Liu Kang. I really enjoy him as Liu Kang. Now we need a show that's called I Love Ludi. All right. Yeah. Oh my God, we do. Yeah. All right. Chris Killian, anything else you want to advertise? I mean, you've done like a lot of interviews, set interviews. Uh, anything you want to point people to before we get out of here? Yeah. You know, we got a lot of Mortal Kombat uh, stuff planned all week long for for the you know between the stuff that we did with Chris Casamassa, the original Scorpion, and the interviews that uh, we already posted one interview with the Mortal Kombat cast, which is. Who would they fight uh, if there was ever a big screen crossover uh, with Mortal Kombat versus DC? Like, who would they want to fight? We made a we made a video for that. That's a lot of fun yes. answers. In there. And then the rest of the interviews are going to be coming out after the movie because it's because I got so excited about the movie. I asked a lot of spoilery questions, <laughs> and then and then they were like, Warner Brothers was like, please don't release this before the movie. I was like, oh okay, my bad. No, I do that all the time. I mean, those are the best interviews, though. Those are the ones we really need. They don't let them shake you. Those are the ones we really need. The yeah, you're doing your job, What are fans' favorite thing going to be when they see this? No, we don't need that. We need the, we need the real spoiler talk. So good for you. Don't let them, don't let them back yes. you up there. Yeah, a lot. So, so starting this weekend, we'll have a lot of spoilery interviews coming out, I think, with the cast. It's going to be a lot of fun. So just, we, you know, check out uh, us on Instagram or on YouTube, you know, at Comic Book. All right, and I know our comic book gaming team is also going to be all over this movie, so uh, check them out as well. I'm sure they'll have a bunch of breakdowns, explanations, and all the kind of guides you need to help you watch Mortal Kombat and get the, the full joy and understanding. So we want to thank Mr. Chris Killian for coming on by. I know you got to get out of here. You're always in demand, but uh, thank you for making the time today, man. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Catch you later, buddy. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> All right, we are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to talk about the Song Chi trailer and that big Marvel casting that just dropped, plus our Falcon and the Winter Soldier theories. And then we got this week's Marvel and DC books to get to. So stay tuned for all of that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We are back. So we just discussed uh, Mortal Kombat first impressions with Mr. Chris Killian. Thank him again for uh, being on the show. But now it's time to hop over to the Marvel camp. Uh, this week, 
quicker than I thought was going to happen. It was like a blur on Monday when I was just kind of getting back on the keyboards. We got the first trailer for Song Chi, um, some a new kind of breakdown in articles and interviews, new posters, and basically this movie has now just like blipped onto the radar of our uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase Four after a very long wait. So. The trailer is out. You can watch it if you haven't by some miracle seen it already. You can go to comicbook.com Marvel and check it out. I'll go last. Let's go around. What did you guys think of the Song Chi trailer? Janelle. Let's go oh my you. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I, very, very excited. Uh, I'm already on this like martial arts excitement with so many different things. Cobra Kai. I binged recently and I'm just crazy about it. Um, obviously Mortal Kombat is just showing some amazing fighting and combat and lore and all that stuff. And so me not having a lot of background on this hero, um, and their storyline, I was just, I felt like fulfilled by the trailer. I feel like I understood what the story was about. I didn't know who the villain is, um, but I'm guessing it's the father <laughs> and, um, yeah. And I, it made me want to dig in to understand what the story is about. So of course I went in and started searching, like, what are these rings about? Like, where did they come from? What do they represent? Like now I know what each one represents. And now I'm, I'm learning that they're actually supposed to be rings on the finger instead of on the arms. And it's just really exciting because it's like a whole different side of Marvel that I feel like so many people have not tapped into and don't quite understand. And it's, it's like a really fun, exciting time to learn and, and just get to know this character, the storyline and, and everything about it. So I'm pumped. I was so pumped with this trailer. I was jumping up and down and uh, the fight scenes look so sick. The choreography, the fight choreography looks beautiful and uh, yeah, I'm pumped. I was really pumped. Maddie, as our kind of Marvel Comics expert, how were you feeling about this kind of big screen adaptation of Song Chi? Uh, number one, uh, regardless of of reading the character in the comics for a long time, I have been pronouncing this wrong like my entire life. I mean, I've been saying Shang Chi. <laughs> yeah. I've heard like I've so been many different. Shang Chi since the eighties. The yeah, EW, yeah, there was an article in EW that was with, I mean, Marvel Studios kind of official article, and they made a point to put it in parentheses to say it's pronounced, and they spelled it out yeah. like they do that for a reason, yeah. by the way, because like they've heard it mispronounced. For a long time, like typically yeah, you that. only highlight it when it's been pronounced wrong. For is it a song chi yes. or shang chi? Song chi. So yeah. there's you leave the h out. Okay, I've yeah. heard that a few times. Which too. is, I mean, which is part of the you know, you know, the Asian kind of yeah vernacular. Not to get into linguistics, but like yes, that is. I'm yeah. glad you know, they told us. Yeah. Absolutely. It's always just like a bummer, you know, when you're like, man, yeah. I've been reading. You find like, out I, you've been doing this I'm wrong. I'm an idiot. Like, yeah. Oh, gosh. My <laughs> favorite video game. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very yeah. much that. So, uh, you know, that was that was the biggest thing. I was like, really? Um, but, you know, I've never been like the biggest uh, fan of the character. Not in a, even a negative way. It's just like it's never like he's never been a character that really like resonated with me. Um, so I kind of had open ended expectations when like this trailer came in. I was like, I just want something cool bring me into this world because like i know certain things and i know certain characters but like i just i need something to kind of wow me and i and i actually think the trailer did a really good job it it, it pulled me in i'm uh i i thought all the like yeah we've seen the whole someone being brought into the legacy that they've run away from other life and we've seen that story before um but i thought this did it in a really relatable way uh and it was 
you know, it was fun. I, I dig the martial arts so far. I mean, they didn't show a ton, but the stuff they already showed, and I feel really bad for Iron Fist because, like, of course, like that was the first <laughs> thing that popped up on social media was like comparison videos <laughs> to Iron Fist. Um, and like so far, it looks really good. Like, it the stuff we saw looks good. I'm interested to see the other stuff. They even showed like a piece of what looks like the final battle later, and that little sequence looked epic. Um, so yeah, uh, it looked cool. I, I'm in. I mean, I, I feel like I'm I'm interested. I will say we've been seeing, and this is they didn't show this in the trailer, but we've been seeing like uh, merchandise pop up already. Like Marvel just like hit with everything on this. Like figures uh -huh. are popping up in stores, Lego kits are hitting everywhere, and like all this stuff is hitting. And we saw like this little creature named Morris, and I don't know what this creature is supposed to be because like it has no face. It was very like there's so many, I have so many questions. Uh, about about this particular creature. So like, I, I'm interested on multiple fronts. <laughs> so that's me on Song Chi. Um, I guess I'm kind of more not on the negative side, but like still on the hesitant side. I don't think this was like the most effective Marvel teaser for me. Uh, Dan, uh, Danu the Pug said it looked like a generic kind of martial arts action movie and i think that for me that was the first impression i mean down to the stereotypes like not stereotypes oh god it's such a wrong wording down to the tropes of the <laughs> genre where yeah. janelle didn't even know who the villain was but was like i'm guessing it's the father and it's like yeah right. i mean this is all familiar territory right um and so aside from the colors and production and design look great like all of that is very up to marvel code um but right now the kind of the main character and the hook, I think what kind of interested me the most was just him dealing with like this abusive childhood through being made to fight. And that stuff was the most interesting kind of stuff to me, more so than the comic book stuff with Death Dealer and the speed recreation with Aquafina and the bus and all that. <laughs> um, yeah, seeing the central character of Song-Chi and his kind of story is is the most interesting part to me. I would love to learn more about, you know, we we know that the character's not I mean is one of his aliases the Mandarin. I forget what his real name is in this, um, but it starts with a W, I think. But I'm I wanna see him as a villain. There's just a lot of confusing shots in this trailer that seems like all over the place. You know, like the old mystical kind of, you know, Asian martial arts wire foo scenes are like juxtaposed with like the ten rings looking like cobra and whatnot from gi joe with the helicopters and stuff so it was just a lot and then there's just kind of like average joe story of a modern you know asian man just kind of like trying to live a life and escape this legacy and it was just all over the place so i hope this all kind of coalesces into something very solid and, and organic feeling in its storytelling um yeah, obviously time is getting to be a tricky thing for the MCU to tackle about questions. But I think this so that this movie has to kind of take the approach of, yeah, he was trained for all of these years while the MCU came up. But he spent 10 years purposefully like not engaging right. in all of this stuff that's happening it's, around it's him. It's plot hole band-aid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> until yeah. now, until something changes, probably post blip when, you know the mandarin and the 10 rings organization obviously you're going to fill some kind of void in in this changing world or whatever happens so um the there is hints that there is going to be some pretty awesome action scenes in his the bus scene and just like the two the double kick and stuff like that like you can't fake some of that so stuff good, like yeah like that they're That's pulling off awesome. is 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 looks pretty awesome and i think we were always consistent in saying this is our our kind of hook for this movie is 
Yes, we've seen so. I mean, I am a martial arts action, five deadly venoms, like 70s, 80s martial arts. Like, you know, I was going to shady places to get those from imports, like, you know, in my teens. So <laughs> I, I'm just looking to see what is distinct about bringing that genre up to a Marvel level and seeing like what that ends up looking like. And we've seen hints, quick hints of that, like with the guy in the restaurant and his fist glowing and, you know, smashing the table. I want to see this get real, real Ryu and Ken from street fighter ish. And, you know, then I think I'll be sold. And I think the next trailer will, will do that for me. So um, I'm not hating on Shang Chi song Chi, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think this was like my most effective teaser but it's not as worrisome as what I'm still waiting to see from Eternals, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I throw that jab in there. Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, man. Um, um, Jay White in the chat says, I knew nothing of Song Chi prior to this trailer. To be honest, it seems pretty cool. And I actually obviously relate to this so much. Um, the one thing I'm left with is, is this a magical land? Is this a, like, is this magic wizard like i that's the one thing i felt kind of confused on because obviously like dr strange you know he's he's a wizard he's mystical he's dealing with magic you know wanda is a witch and she's magic and i just i i'm kind of confused because when i started digging deeper and finding the background behind the rings and you know the dragon and stuff like that i didn't get that from the trailer so i feel like you have to kind of dive into the comics a little bit to really get the backstory. And that's what I intend to do. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, there's, I mean, there's a big question because there's a lot, I mean, this gets into like a lot of stuff because song Chi connects to a lot of other things in his origin in the Marvel universe. Some of which is still in that gray area because it was touched on by iron fist in like this whole idea of the mysticism and these kind of mystical cities and the dragons and the powers they carry like there is a whole kind of part of the Marvel universe built off Asian culture and its own fables and lore that, that converted that not always very well. Um, or absolutely true. Yeah. Not always very <laughs> absolutely well. Absolutely true. Yes. And in some ways very offensively by today's standards. Um, and okay. so it's kind of a weird gray area of how they're going to tie this in because there's also, like I said, the whole Cobra vibe is, there's also obviously from Falcon and Winter Soldier, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit. There's also these kind of organizations that are now springing up and you can see the gears turning, you know, in the larger MCU about these big organizations who are vying for power and stuff like that. And so there's going to be maybe ties to this and that. And, and this could weirdly be a weird bridge between the kind of like stuff we're seeing in Falcon and Winter Soldier and stuff we're going to see in like WandaVision and Doctor that Strange. That could be really cool. I'm yeah. torn between what because like that to me that stuff and and this is like some of the things Kofi's had like in the comics yes there is a blend of mysticism and of course like these ties to like ancient cultural things it, it all kind of blends together there's a lot of that i mean fing fang foom is this like giant looming presence that like people have talked about and we've and we've even seen in like some lego sets obviously those pop. aren't always those don't always pan out yeah those don't always pan out so, like, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But it feels like that's kind of some of the stuff that makes the character and the world fun. And, and those provide a lot of interesting opportunities to make this different than your formulaic MCU movie. Those, those are the things that, like, 
can help this avoid just becoming another in the MCU factory. And, and so it's, but it's like, those can be very easily mishandled. Like you yeah. can very easily do those wrong. And then you end up with, you know, Thor the Dark World. <laughs> so like, it's, it's weird. I don't know how much I want them to lean into it, but I feel like I ultimately I do. Ultimately, I want to see them kind of embrace some of that stuff or at least just bring it into the world as it exists. And then maybe for a sequel, you can really dive into it. But I hope that this is hiding some of that stuff purposefully. Uh, but I hope that some of that is just like, it's not apparent yet because they don't want you to see it yet. I hope some of that makes it in because I will feel like it will it will ultimately disappoint me if some of that stuff doesn't. Yeah. I also think we could get a Wonder Woman style thing where we get like flashbacks to, you know, how the Ten Rings were formed and the mm. ancient battles and, you know, the when there were actual dragons and these That's other That's what's more interesting to me. And, you know, the warriors who were involved in that and what the history of those of those objects mean. Um, I, I could see it going that way too, while the modern story is just grounded and more about the crime syndicate and the modern version of all this stuff. Also, I did see someone note in the comics. Yes, I I am totally good with not another. I don't need just like rings being swapped out for Infinity Stones. I don't. Yeah. I'm good. I don't need another MacGuffin <laughs> thing tying. But this but there's ten of them. No. How many no. movies can we make? No one that? needs to go. It's not MCU Pokemon. Don't go collect them all and then put them in your thing and then oh I'm ultra powerful. No, stop it. But don't, don't you think the that. backstory is so important for this? I mean, for me personally, like that backstory is more interesting to me than this idea of like him living in San Francisco, taking shots and parking cars. <laughs> I can see a whole movie of that. Can we just do yeah. that? That'll be the movie that really breaks the mold. It's just, it's just like following him being a valet. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I, hope I that's think a, that backstory yeah. is important. I think, yeah. I hope that San Francisco stuff is just Act One. But right. um, yeah. So yeah. I think it because I see the backstory coming in when because somebody's gonna have to explain to like when Aquafina goes to his you know father's compound. Like right. what what is going on is going to be the obvious question. He'll have to explain all that. So who um, I adore in every movie, by the way, and she looks amazing in this already. I love Aquafina in anything. So she's awesome. Yeah. Normally I'd say yes. I'm, I'm jury's still out on, on what we're going to get here. All right. That's Shang Chi. Uh, like I said, you can watch the trailer and all our first breakdowns and kind of some of the things that might be buried in the trailer on comicbook.com. Marvel. We also got a big casting in the MCU this week. Our girl, Daenerys Targaryen, the unburnt, first of her name, Amelia Clark, has joined the MCU like we knew she probably would. She took Star Wars over for uh, that brief, questionable period of Solo, and now she's coming <laughs> to the MCU through Marvel's Secret Invasion series. And I put this on Twitter, and I'm going to say it here. I will not feel vindicated about Game of Thrones ending until I know Amelia Clark gets to play a scroll queen with a scroll <laughs> dragon whose lover tries to take her out and she just brutally like feeds him to the dragon and is gonna come and take over Earth. Like that's uh that's that's the only thing I will accept. Wow. Um no, but seriously, uh I mean that's a, that is my guess though. I think we're gonna find out like you know, there are other scrolls who aren't so benevolent towards Earth. And all of that, uh, besides, you know, and opposed to Talos, and she would be a great pick for a scroll queen, just, you know, based on the character association with Game of Thrones and all of that. So um, that's my thing about it. What do you guys think? Janelle? I'm 
I'm thrilled to see her. I'm, I love her. I think she's a brilliant actress. I'm curious where they're going to put her. Uh, I saw someone say, uh, casted her as like black cat. And I'm like, no, she's, I've only ever seen her as like this dragon queen figure or like a very sweet, like rom-com type role and I just don't yeah I, you guys probably haven't seen the movies that I have but I've seen her don't assume really- I didn't cry at last Christmas it was good <laughs> it was good <laughs> oh god it's so good but I'm I I think she's a great actress I think she's she really commits to the roles it seems like I feel like she does a lot of research and I feel like if you are going to be playing anything in comics like that's one of the coolest things you get to do is really dive into this character, whatever she may be and understand it. You have so much source material. And I think she's just going to like, just excel. I think she's going to fly. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I, I've, so I've seen a couple of, well, one, okay. Just on its own. Uh, I like Amelia Clark. Like I, I, yeah. I, she's awesome and I like her in a lot of things. Um, not just, I, I missed out on the whole Game of Thrones thing. Kobe will tell you, I, that was not my ship. I never hopped on board. I never, like, I just never did. So I don't have like the natural affinity from that show that others do. Um, mm. But I've liked her in everything else <laughs> I've seen her in. Um, and I've, again, I'm not blind. I've seen clips and things like that of her in that show. No, she's, she's awesome, right? Uh, but I've seen a couple of casting ties. I actually like Kofi's pick for her casting the most. I, I actually think she would rock in that queen role of kind of leading this antagonist side of the scrolls. I actually think that's awesome. I've seen Abigail Brand uh, thrown in as a name. And while I don't doubt her, you know, acting ability or or anything like that, I don't just those roles like just doesn't mesh for me like that part mm-hmm. with her just doesn't especially like i don't love the way sword has been handled anyway in the mcu i think it's just diet shield so i don't necessarily want the same treatment of abigail brand because i adore that character um and then the other one i've seen is of course one of my favorites jessica drew spider woman uh i also don't i think honestly last christmas is a perfect example of like the the thing she could bring to that role um just like her just innate likability. Um, but I don't necessarily see that as well um, or see that either. Also, the fact that this show is not really... I love Secret Invasion in the comics, but this show so far is not going to be my Secret Invasion. It is going to be something oh, else. Just hashtag not my <laughs> It's going to be invasion. my Secret Invasion. I did. Hashtag Mad it's not my Secret Invasion. It's not. It's It's the Nick Fury show. And that's perfectly fine for us, for a whole set of people. Uh, that is not what I give any, I'm trying not to discuss. I I don't care about that. I've never cared about that in the books. Uh, that's not what that made that storyline interesting. And they have been very clear. Like this is the Nick Fury and Talos show. And they want to explore these, the whole intrigue of, you know, the espionage side. And that's fine. But that's not, that's only part of what made the original story great to me. So the fact is, this show's not really going for that. And so I, I hope to see her uh, in that queen role. I think that would make it more interesting because you'd have an interesting contrast. But overall, I'm not really stoked for this show as much as I thought I'd be. And that bums me out. Uh, but I do like the casting. Diatribe, gone. Die, dark. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. There it is. There it is. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still curious to see what Secret Invasion is going to shape up to be. There is this huge amount of fan expectation heaped on this because of the title of it. So until we actually know the actual spin and how they're going to approach this, it, it's kind of hard for me to feel any kind of way about it. I'm happy that Sam Jackson's going to be in it. Um, I love his Nick Fury and I would love to, I'm kind of interested mainly just to see how he operates and handles all these kind of spinning plates that he keeps in the air all the time with his super spy way. So that's my main attraction, but uh, that's a good segue into my worry for that series is the same as the worry for the current kind of espionage, less alien inclined series we're looking at right now, which is the Falcon and the winter soldier. Episode six drops this Friday. Um, I was writing about this while writing about a teaser that came out for it. Teaser didn't really show anything. But um, <laughs> the six episodes, I think, have gotten a lot of fans feeling anxious right now. They're feeling like this is ending too quick. And there's a lot to wrap up in just this last episode. Uh, yes, Olivia Coleman is in the comments. Somebody's asking, Alexis, uh, Alex Cosman is asking, is Olivia Coleman coming to Secret Invasion? And I believe that, yeah, we did that casting too, right? That Olivia mm-hmm. Coleman. Yep. So she will also be in the show. So she's also eligible to be a scroll queen among scroll queens. So Matt, you might see Amelia Clark and some green hair. I don't know. We could be. <laughs> Prepare yourself. Uh, <laughs> it would be fun to see her kind of in Nick Fury kind of trading barbs. Like, I feel like I'm being so negative and I don't mean to. No, you're just being you, buddy. It's okay. I'm just being really positive, so I'm making up for both of you. <laughs> I have kind of a bipolar thing going on, so it's all, it all balances out. All right. But uh, back to Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, yeah, there's a lot to wrap up in this last episode. I mean, I just made a list here. It's like, we got to figure out about John Walker. We know in the new Captain America costume coming. What the hell is going on with Julia Louis-Dreyfus's Valentina and whatever larger thing she's a part of? We still don't know who the power broker is. You know, we all want to know where Zemo's going to be at and if there's something more teed up for him. Are we going to get that Thunderbolts kind of tee up as well that we've all been kind of waiting for with this show? Or is it the new Mephesto or Thunderbolts new Mephesto? There's Isaiah Bradley and his grandson, Eli, who keeps getting to say more and more and more as he becomes a young Avenger, hopefully soon. And, like, what's next for this Captain America franchise? Like, is there a new movie, another series? Like, what are we going? Like, what's going to – how is this new Captain America at the result of the end of the show? going to fit into the MCU and where the hell is Steve Rogers? Let's add that to the list. So we have to wrap all those like kind of things up to kind of make a lot of fans satisfied. Plus there's a whole big fight at the GRC, the uh, relocation program um, thingy in New York where Falcon winter soldier Walker and the flag smashers and bat rock are all going to collide. And, you know, we got to see that whole thing go down. So Guys, do you think they can stick this landing? Because I'm beginning to get a little worried about, you know, these Marvel Disney Plus series. I made a joke at the end of episode five on Twitter that, like, really it's feeling like these series so far are just uh, re-origin stories for characters we already know as they get <laughs> wow they, as they make slight life adjustments and, and get new costumes to reflect. It's like going through something bad and then changing your hairstyle at the end, um, they, you know, go through something that they've <laughs> been the through because... Yeah, through the MCU, they hit the gym the and then they come out. Yep, yep. come out. Get your nails and, done. Yep. Yes. Can't Janelle. relate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, uh, and then you got a sparkly new costume, too. And then you're like, all right, I'm back at it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah, from the Janelle playbook right there. So yes. I feel like that's what we're getting. I mean, are you are you thinking we're going to stick this landing? Or, or are you worried about kind of 
coming out of this with some feelings of disappointment? Personally, uh, me, I'll take it first. I'm, I hate, I, I hate being negative, but this is the show I have not gotten into. I haven't gotten into the show. Last episode is the first time that I was moved and excited and wanting to really like see more and, and really looking forward to the next episode, which is the last episode. So for me, it, it definitely feels rushed no matter what. Um, it's weird to introduce a new giant character in the second to last episode that so many people who don't read the comics have no idea who she is and like, what is her role? Who, like how it's just a lot to take in. Um, I feel weird lately because I feel like I'm straddling this line of like comic book reader and non-comic book reader because I I kind of do have context now. I am kind of understanding. I have been reading more and I'm, Every time something like that happens in my mind, I'm like, if I hadn't read this comic, I would be very confused (laughs) right now. Um, And that just keeps happening in the show for me. Um, Even, even with John Walker, like if, if you didn't really have any idea what's going on, you would just kind of, it would just, it would leave you in a weird space. So I don't know. I think it's a lot. I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'm also not getting my hopes up because I am so fulfilled by I'm still so pumped about WandaVision and I felt like they did such a good job and they sold me on it and I love it so much and I think it needs season two that um, it, it was just a hard act to follow for me personally that this show has been hard for me to follow as I'm wearing like a Captain America hoodie. And, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's true. And I, yeah, bro, what you're wearing around is a winter soldier like yesterday. <laughs> yes. Yes. But that's, that's the right. Thing. I forgot. Yeah. I love winter soldier. Personally, I love his backstory moments more than anything about this show. Like seeing Bucky struggle to make it out of the Winter Soldier um, command code and all those things like that and seeing his past struggle and and, like fighting and and seeing him as Winter Soldier, like just being savage and ripping into people. Like that's, that's my favorite part of the whole show. And those are all flashbacks. So just like you said, Kofi, it's kind of like a backstory episode or any kind of backstory in this this show has been exciting for me. And that's what I like the most. So yeah, I'm kind of nervous. I'm very nervous about where it's going. Um, I know they know what they're doing, but I wish they would have poured some of all, like some of this stuff into the beginning of the series so that it had more time to like marinate. I just feel like a lot at the end isn't what I was looking for. I was looking for a lot on every episode. I think yeah. that's perfectly said as far as like, <laughs> I think, no, because I, I really think, well, one, assuming that this is the Jedi level cameo that we were oh, teased, God. did this deliver? <laughs> I, I understand. I love Julie uh, Louise Dreyfus. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. But like, Valentina? <laughs> I was like, I don't like her. I, I get the can't like the person behind the character is important, and the character is also important, but like, not you know, I don't know. I, I still think like they gotta stop teasing that stuff, they just gotta stop it. Like, it's never gonna live up to the hype ever. Um, so I don't think that delivered, but I agree. I think it would have been better. That would have been an amazing thing to have in the first or even second episode to then be able to slowly drip out details and who is this character that gives you a, a much more compelling subplot through line 
uh, to this series. Uh, for those who aren't as interested in learning more about Sam or Bucky, you know, and, and just their current struggles with trying to, to deal with their position in life now and their position in life before. That stuff interests me. So, like, I haven't had the same issues, but I do agree with Kofi that there is some of that retread here. It's not like you couldn't cut parts of this and, you know, this would be a, a little standalone comic. Like, hey, here's some extra material that's great, but it's not necessarily necessary. Um, I I am in this, I'm in between you guys. I, I, I think, I think. well, I haven't heard from Kofi said, but I feel like just going off of our last discussion, um, I feel like I am, I don't think they will be able, I don't think this is going to be completely satisfying for me. Just going off the finale for WandaVision and seeing that we have so many plots to at not even close, but at least address uh, before we move forward. I don't, that's a lot. It, it Maybe this should have been one more episode, this series, to really get some of those rounded up. Um, I feel like there's going to be a couple things where we go like, huh, that's disappointing. Like we didn't really get that addressed or they left that completely off the table for the next movie. Um, to answer Kofi's other question, um, you know, I feel like this, all I want to see from this is just set up Sam's movie. That's it. That's all I care about. Like if, if we get from point A to point B, the ride will be worth it. If Sam's like next step as cap is solidified and launched. I will be, I will come away happy if that's how this is where we get. I hear that word. I mean, hopefully that's where we're headed. And uh, in the comments, uh, G Gamaric or 75. I hope I said that right. Yes. Uh, Valentina was supposed to get introduced in the black widow movie originally when it was coming out before Falcon and winter soldier, which leads and you can read our theories on uh, comicbook.com marvel about that uh i personally believe they're doing this whole leviathan thing in a different form for the mcu which is basically um there was a master group of spies called zodiac they split up and when they split up they became shield hydra the hand this other group in the soviet union called leviathan and i think leviathan is a kind of tie between you know what is going on in Black Widow and what is like really behind this new phase of the Black Widow program and all that stuff and why Florence Pugh's Black Widow will become kind of an active figure in the MCU and, and be tied to things like Hawkeye and, and kind of all this other stuff. So um, I think Valentina is part of that and that's the organization she kind of represents uh, or it could be just her in the new phase of Hydra because she also did that too and became the new head of Hydra, but it was all just a triple cross uh, in the comics. So I think all of these things are kind of spinning in the wheels right now, and we're going to see where they pop up. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, we're going to see what happens at the end of the Falcon Winter Soldier. Luckily, the fallout of that is Phase Zero's problem. So Friday, <laughs> you can listen to Brandon Davis and the crew on Phase Zero. Uh, well, they will be reacting right after the Falcon Winter Soldier finale drops, and you can see... Uh, who they have on and to talk about that and take that whole thing apart. So don't miss that. All right, Maddie, take us over for comics. Uh, our last discussion topics of today. We have some two new books in uh, for Marvel DC. What do we got? Uh, so we're going to start with uh, the way of X number one, uh, the newest uh, series to branch off from the house powers of 10 uh, story reign of X. I mean, it's got so many dang names that I don't know. <laughs> so whatever the current one is, uh, it's great. Um, so this series, uh, really deals with it's, 
it of course deals with Krakoa and things like that, but it really centers on Nightcrawler and his struggle. The character has always uh, kind of presented this really interesting dichotomy within the EX books because he's such a faith-based character. And it's always at times clashed with, you know, so many of the pragmatically minded X-Men characters, especially, you know, people like Magneto and Xavier. Uh, and this book really tackles some of that and also factors in, you know, immortality uh, and how you approach that. And I thought that that part was actually the most interesting uh, nugget in here because there are some there are some really interesting revelations for like the rest of the series and how Xavier's past. I mean, a big theme of this particular episode <laughs> tends to be the past and how it factors into your, your future. And there's a lot of that in this, but like, to me, the most interesting part of this is Nightcrawler's str struggles and attempts to kind of rectify like how uh, faith and a grand a grand macro level look of death and how you look upon life is affected when you've essentially defeated immortality as, or sorry, mortality as Xavier and Magneto constantly say here and how you approach it. Some really interesting stuff. And it is kind of, I mean, this is like, I read some stuff this week that was like super not weighty at all. And then reading this was like, Oh man, like <laughs> this is definitely one that uh, has a lot of subtext and is, you know, kind of dives deep. So this isn't, you know, a book I would just hand off to anybody, but I feel like it's, it's, there's some really rewarding stuff in here. So, I mean, I, I really liked it. It's a, it's a little bit of a dense read in parts, but um, especially again, I don't know those, those excerpts that like X-Men fans have, have come to, I don't know, love or loathe are very much here to me. They added, they were more additive here than in the past. Sometimes there's a lot of charts and a lot of other stuff that maybe does isn't, but the, the, the excerpts from the book of the mystery book uh, that's being developed here um, are worth it to me. Like if you do read them, I feel like you will get more out of the story. If you read them in this case, it's not always the case in these hex books, but here I thought it was. So uh, I know Janelle has not been the biggest fan of the X-Men books thus far. Now, granted, we have thrown you into like the super duper deep end of the pool. <laughs> Cause I, I know, I think the first one you read was like the finale to, uh tennis was it uh swords i think it was the, the finale and that's like that we should not have done but uh what did you feel about this uh i can i can i can now say that uh this is my favorite x-men book i've read <laughs> i loved the issues that they're presenting i know that um it, just from knowing where X-Men stands and like what they kind of represent and what they're trying to kind of put a light on is, you know, people being kind of left out by society and, you know, the mutants being treated in terrible ways because they're different. And like all of, I just, I've always respected that and like gotten it, but I never felt compelled by it in the books that I had read. Like that was never, it felt like it wasn't the focus in the books that I read. So this one, I just felt moved by um, like the story of why they are in Krakoa and, you know, what happened, like any reference to Wanda and what she did to them is exciting for me because I read House of M. And so I, I was like, oh my God, yeah, I know what they're talking about. <laughs> Very excited. And, you know, religion is 
something that is really crazy uh, and hard to deal with in TV shows, movies, tweets, uh, talking to your <laughs> friends and family if you don't believe the same thing. I mean, it's a very, very difficult topic uh, for so many. And I just, I so related to this and I just have such a respect that they're willing to go there in a comic book, like with, with these mutants and um, yeah, you said it correctly with, you know, bringing people back from the dead. It's like, where does their soul go? And, um, and I like that Nightcrawler has his roots in Catholicism, which is hilarious because I can relate to that. I think he said like a reference to Catholic and, you know, I'm on my own spiritual journey and I believe different things. And I just, I, it was just really cool to like relate to a comic book in this I, way. You, on a heavy I issue. cannot believe I'm hearing this. I, I know. Listened to this dumbfounded. I loved, I After loved it. You tore into me just mere weeks ago about, about how too X-Men, many words. You know, <laughs> X-Men was so dense and wordy. <laughs> And this is like the <laughs> densest, wordiest X-Men book so ever. Wordy. And you're like, I love it. I love it. I just I love matter, it. Man. I, I like to see, I like suddenly to see a comic book the hit these issues. Yeah. Suddenly I don't think it was about the comic books, Janelle. Suddenly no, it's, 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 yeah, it's just the content. Like the content was really good. It was, it was something that I can relate to <laughs> having not have that knowledge of, you know, X-Men that long. Or just the host talking about X-Men. <laughs> long. <laughs> yeah. It was just Kofi loving it. That's what it was like. <laughs> can't, can't be. Uh, Kofi, what'd you think? Um, I mean, I thought this one was a, denser kind of i had to read it i I made the mistake of making it my last book to read this week and so i was kind of up against the wire so i had to read it very fast but it was very dense um but it did deal i mean it's literally kind of like a walking and this is not to say this offensively it's like a walking exposition uh line of everything we've been trying to wonder about ever since house of x pulled this resurrection card out i mean it's addressing basically it's a philosophical like uh, you know, lecture, not in a bad way again, but like as if you were in a philosophy class and they were like, okay, so we beat death and you know this. And, uh, but it does illustrate some of those points in very interesting ways. There are scenes in the book in between the conversations that are very effective. Uh, the kids, you know, in kind of having Pixie almost in this weird kind of metaphor for virginity, like not having died before and kind of making fun of her about that. And, when they take down that church of or you know orcus recruits and having somebody kill her just so she can do it for the first time yeah. being like what's the big deal mr nightcrawler like the young kids are like what's the big deal we don't care about death anymore and nightcrawler's just like what is happening like <laughs> you know and his struggles with that like that stuff's interesting because it is and this has been the real meat and potatoes of this whole dawn of x thing is the slice of, I mean, for Hickman's credit, for whenever, I mean, for as many times as it has gone wrong, the slice of life stuff when it goes right is is very good. And so, you know, these big comic booky ideas, but actually putting them into practice, like, okay, yeah, the X Men can't die now, but what does that mean? Like, what does that do to you and your culture and your whole idea of identity when you when you can die infinite number of times and go through this whole Groundhog Day type deal? Um, and yeah, it's interesting to see like the kids start freaking out and thinking like, yo, we can just kill ourselves for fun, you know, because death doesn't matter. And, you know, everything in, in the continuing debate about the crucible and, and how the, the whole gladiator thing and how mutants, like they only accept people after they die and come back. And now we can embrace you and like all this stuff with your full range of powers for people who don't have powers anymore. 
are, are like, you know, damaged mutants and things like that. So that stuff is interesting. I mean, there are a lot of heady concepts in this, but man, what a finish. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, what a finish. Cause we were all kind of wandering in. And I feel like this is pulling from some of the other X books because there has been this, and it's hard to, with all the stuff happening in all these books to kind of spot the kind of connective thread sometimes. But, uh, there has been this kind of invader who's been coming to Krakoa, invading people psychically, like doing all this stuff. And this kind of just really, at the end of all this headiness, is a big major comic book reveal. Um, can we get in? Are we yeah, got yeah, spoilers? Spoilers, yeah, yeah. Spoilers, so, spoilers that, like, yeah, Professor X's son, Legion, is back. Uh, and he's seen what's happening on Krakoa, and he's messing with all of this. And Professor X kind of senses him out there and sends Nightcrawler to investigate and Legion basically looks like it disintegrates him. <laughs> like, you know, he <laughs> just like takes him out. Um, but we've been wondering where Legion fits into all of this, right? Because Legion, Professor X's son, David Holler is, you know, he's famously done some pretty gnarly things. He is like one of the most powerful Omega level mutants. Uh, he has, he was kind of noticeably conspicuously absent from house of X and all of that stuff. And I mean, this is the dude who caused Age, age of Apocalypse uh, for all those 90 kids when he went back in time and killed his father accidentally while trying to kill Magneto and, and you know, caused the whole Age of Apocalypse timeline. So that Legion's the breaks my heart. Yeah. And there's been a lot of other things that have happened. I think wasn't there like a showdown between him and X-Man and like Nate Gray and all that stuff. Like I, he's I had he's yeah. That's yeah, I tapped out for all that stuff, but that boy um, is crazy. Yeah. but every time he shows up, like you know, it's a big worldly threat. Like it is yeah. a major threat, uh, and it's interesting to see, like again, what happens now that there is an Omega level mutant out there who could conceivably really threaten the world again, and like doesn't play by any of these rules that Krakoa and his father have set up, and maybe very much wants to break them. So, Way of X is good. Um, I'm kind of like. I'm I'm kind of I didn't know anything about this book going into it. So like I'm kind of uncertain about like what the larger scope of this series is and like what it focuses on. Is it just kind of just religious questions the whole time? Like what are we doing? I don't know. And I, I also off the top of my head cannot remember if this is a mini series or an ongoing. And I and I can't I honestly can't remember off the top of my head. So it kind of depends on that. Like is there is it a you know, is there a story that this particular series wants to tell and they'll launch other things off of in a miniseries format? Or is this a full-on ongoing? And in that case, yeah, I have some of those same questions. Though I think there are plenty of ways to explore that subject matter and, and spin off for at least more than just one arc. Um, once, though, we would get to, like, you know, arc three or whatever, then you would have to put some other pieces on the board. Um, I will also say, uh, shout out to Dr. Nemesis who continues to be one of like the best X characters because he's just, whether you love him or hate him, he is always interesting. And there are some amazing exchanges between him and Nightcrawler. He's growing um, the shrooms on his head. Yeah. He's like yeah, growing that's the, hilarious. You know, yeah. and explains so many, and like Kofi said, this reaches back all the way to house and powers because like the stuff about Moira, the stuff about you, there's no seers here. Like all that stuff ties directly back to their decisions back then of like, we don't want anyone that can do that. We, that those throw variables into the mix, and we don't want variables. So, like, there's so many cool things. Uh, and you know, who's by the way? Just question, and we can even make this a poll. I would almost make that. I might put this on Twitter. And make this a poll. Who is the worst father? Xavier or Reed Richards? Who's worse? 
Because <laughs> they're both terrible. They're both I terrible. I mean, parents. Xavier, because Reed Richards is at least around his kids, you know? He's around raising his kids. Xavier is, is he? Done, like, is yeah. He? I mean, he's lab. around. He's around, though. Like, Xavier's it? kids are like. Like, Xavier, like, you know, like, red minds and, like, manipulated people and, like, his whole team, his kids of being the X-Men. Plus, you've seen the, the results of his parenting skills otherwise. But, like, Reed's also just, like, Reed is there in presence. He would make a, I feel like he would make a, an argument for, like, the most around absent father <laughs> ever. <laughs> like, he's always around, but somehow not really there. Anyway, that, I, we might run a poll on that. So, okay, so moving on to other things. Uh, let's move on to Justice League number 60, which which also deals with some, some interesting things. But, again, we're coming off of Way of X, so, like, nothing to that degree this is more a straight up superhero book but but i actually really dug this is the most while we liked i, I think the overall impressions of justice league number 59 was like we really liked it we enjoyed aspects of it but like it wasn't you know the the must read series going out of that it didn't kind of completely win everybody over um here i thought some of the interesting ideas we got introduced there actually had a like bendis got to play in the toy box he made and so, like, we set up all the stuff in the first issue so we could get to here. And this is the most Bendis-y <laughs> uh, DC book in a minute. Um, you know, I've, I've read a lot of the Superman run and stuff. And, like, there's some moments. But, like, this is the most – the Bendis stuff I loved from, like, Marvel. This is the most – uh, in a in a DC issue, we've we've got to this point. Uh, some of the banter between the team members, like Aquaman <laughs> referring to like Batman always talking in the voice, uh, like uh, the black uh, the Black Adam debate with Superman Green Arrow, because like uh, I can't remember who says it, but they're like you essentially lost an argument with Superman by Superman complimenting you, like those fun little camaraderie things amongst the league. I I really liked. Uh, we also got uh, movement, and I feel like the decision to make black adam to bring in black adam and naomi and we see a little bit of apolita in this book as well but so far those two mainly the decision to bring them into the team is paying off dividends in this issue because they are the most they have made this league the most interesting it has been in a minute uh for for a while actually uh they just bring a welcome dynamic to everything and there's a, a little bit of chaos in this group but i feel like it's good chaos uh, in this respect. And we see, we actually get to like go over to Naomi's world and we start that whole process. So if you're not a Naomi fan, I feel, I don't know how much like mileage of this is. You might not love this issue as much. I am. Uh, and I've never been a big black Adam guy, but I love seeing him in the mix with all these other DC heroes and the personalities clash. So to me, this issue, like I loved, um, but what did you guys think? I think, uh, what they've done in Bendis is doing in Justice League what I think only Bendis could do in a certain kind of way, which is pulling kind of keeping the core intact while pulling character switches that are add interest, like just specifically Hippolyta and Black Adam taking the place of a Wonder Woman and a Shazam, for instance, and doing those character swaps. Like you said, it adds all kinds of new dimensions of tension and, and interest to the series because now you have a guy. You know, while Batman can kind of go up against Superman, you know, ethically and philosophically and morally, uh, Black Adam can actually go up against Superman, you know, when they have a disagreement. 
uh hippolyta and black adam just you know have this tension that could go either way i wouldn't be surprised if they're making out in a few issues or whatever but um like yeah and and just kind of moving the pieces of the justice league around that they're familiar but feel fresh and new is a hard thing to do and he's sticking to some tried and true comic book story tropes which is you know dimension destroyed by super people and all the twists (laughs) we could get about who those super people are um, and now just a world that basically whittles it down to like Naomi says, it's just like, uh, you know, this is, these are just the survivors, which means they're the most brutal, fearsome, you know, superpowered people out there. And there's in like as a planet of all of them who are left. And this, we've seen this kind of justice league story before. Uh, they're usually pretty exciting with, uh, I'm trying to think of like you man and all them, the justice syndicate or what are they called? Oh, the crime syndicate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that whole thing, and like, yeah, so this has a feeling to be kind of fresh in that way. It, it worked for Venom Beyond not too long ago, this yeah, same kind of thing, yeah, and so I, I feel like this is going to be exciting and, and comic booky in the best way, and I thought this issue at least laid down more interesting groundwork than, than the previous issue. Agreed, Janelle? Yeah, pr- pretty much same thoughts. Kofi said it perfectly. I'm just really excited to see where it goes. Uh, no complaints. Just, uh, I, I know what's going on. That's always the most important thing. <laughs> I know what's happening. I can understand the story. I know where they're going to go from here. And I'm just excited to see it. I'm not really too critical about this one. It just, it felt good reading. I liked it. Awesome. Uh, and then real quick, uh, before we got to run here, uh, we will give a, a quick shout out to Women of Marvel, number one, uh, a collection of short stories, in some cases, like one page. Uh, there's just a lot of, different stories a lot of them this is more um a lot of them are lighthearted in nature so if you are looking for something um you know not way of x <laughs> this is actually <laughs> a perfect uh book for you uh, of course it spotlights women creators um and there's a lot here i i didn't love this collection as much as i was kind of hoping to uh, but i will say definitely read uh the marrow and feral storyline uh that's in there which is give a cat a bone uh, I, I actually really dug that Kofi knows, like, I'm a big fan of these, like, D-list <laughs> X-Men <laughs> characters. Meryl's one of them. Yeah, uh, that was the new wave. of That was part of the new wave. It was uh, Celia Reyes, uh, Maggot. Oh, man, yes. Meryl. They were introduced in the mid-90s as, like, three big new X-Men characters. And everybody was like, what is happening with X-Men? <laughs> Innie and Meanie for life, man. Um, oh, yes, man. So, yeah, so I, I, I thought this was fun just because it fits. It fit the personality of Meryl well. So I just thought it was a fun, again, no, nothing, there's no necessary reading, I feel like, in this issue, uh, but I thought that was fun. Did you guys uh, have uh, any of the stories you wanted to highlight most? I just I, I just liked it in general. I liked it a lot because I, you know, we talked about earlier, you know, when you go through breakup, you get your hair done, you get your nails done. Like, there's so <laughs> many references to kind of girl culture. Like, I just, I just dug it. I was like, I related to so many different things. Like, Hella is... Struggling sleeping. So she gets her dog instead of a weighted blanket to lay on top of her. And that's the story. But it's like, I literally slept with a weighted blanket last night. And like, I relate to it. Or like, (laughs) you know, we get our nails done in one of the comics and they're like, just, she's like, turn them into weapons. And they're just blinged out like scary nails at the nail salon. And I just, I just related to a lot of these little girl stories. And I love the Gamora story. That was probably my favorite one. Oh, that was good too. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. was good what do you think? I didn't get a chance to get into this one. Um, yeah, I got through, like I said, I got through the uh, other two books because 
I was busy. So, but um, yeah. Yeah, that no. was a lot this week. Uh, other quick shout no, wait, outs. Wait, uh, you said a Marrow and Farrell story, and that had me as soon as you said it. There you go. Concept, yeah. See? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, my eyebrows went up like, oh, now you have my interest. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was fun. Um, yeah. Uh, other quick shout outs uh, would be the Captain Marvel kicked off its kind of official Doctor Strange Captain Marvel team up crossover thing that's kind of currently happening if you are a fan of either of those two characters uh i know janelle is a huge dr strange fan uh i will say i really love this uh it's a pairing i would not have necessarily predicted uh but they do some really fun and interesting things with it uh and if you've been keeping up with the captain marvel series uh they're also kind of playing with all the future timeline stuff that they've introduced so there's a lot of interesting stuff there so that would be one i'd highlight but uh, that's comics all right. Thank you, Matt. Uh, quick shout outs. Uh, I wanted to shout out just a couple random things that I just thought I'd, I'd highlight this week. Um, I'm watching Versus. If you guys aren't watching Versus Battle, if you hip hop or R&B fans, Versus have become like the new concert since the pandemic started. Uh, they get famous hip hop or R&B artists together and they it, they say it's a competition for them to kind of do tracks from their library that, that are hits and stuff like that and see who wins. But it just turns into an awesome music celebration. So Redman and Method Man did one yesterday. It was great. Uh, those are fun. They're really great events. I invite you to watch. Um, Helen McCroy passed away. Actress James Bond and Harry Potter. But uh, uh, she's probably most known right now for Peaky Blinders. And I in my discussions about her death, I realized... There's still a lot of people who have not seen Peaky Blinders or don't even know what it's about, even though it's been hanging around Netflix forever. But uh, if you haven't checked that out, Peaky Blinders is about an early 20th century uh, gang of gypsies in the UK. It's led by Killian Murphy, um, who plays the leader of the gang, Tommy Shelby. It's the Shelby family. And they're called Peaky Blinders because they wear their like little caps and they keep razor blades in them that they use to cut people's faces. And it's a, basically a crime story. It's Sopranos. Thomas Shelby is a very troubled crime lord. Um, who does things in kind of tw- early, early 20th century Britain uh, in leading this gang. And the current see last season was all about them hitting the Great Depression and how it made the gang scramble again. And Helen McCroy played the matriarch of the gang named uh, Polly. And she was, I mean, just like phenomenal. One of the best TV gangsters uh, of all time. And she in Peaky Blinders is really good. So it's on Netflix. Check that out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Danny, the plug, the pug. Uh, yeah. It also has Tom Hardy as a, as a Orthodox Jewish rabbi crime Lord. And you can't understand a lot of what he says, but it's, it's pretty amazing stuff. Uh, yeah. Peaky Blinders is a great show. So other thing I'm going to shout out is, uh, I rewatched Predators. Predators, the uh, Robert Rodriguez reboot of the franchise, in 2010s, and I was doing this, you know, this job back then. But I'm having this weird experience of going back now and watching a lot of the stuff from the 2010s, like now a decade later, and just being like, man, Twitter, what a waste of time. Film Twitter really is because, like, you go back, and, <laughs> no, no, but like seriously, this is a diatribe at the end of the show. Like, what a waste of freaking time. Film Twitter really is. And all of these kinds of things. I remember how much scrutiny this movie got when Adrian Brody was like, Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember that. Every little piece of this we took apart, and I played a part in that. I, I did that, and it got like middling reviews because of this and that and the other. And it's like, now I go back and just see the test of time, and the internet has forgotten about this stuff. It's on Hulu. You can stream Predators, and you watch it again. I'm like, Man. 
that was just like a good fun time and i would like to see more predators type stuff it's so much better than that shane black crap we just got like and i would have loved to see this continue but no internet had to internet and we all had to take the part and just do that and it's like Film Twitter retrospect. We're gonna look back at like film Twitter and be like, man, we were really effing up. But uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Predators is streaming on Hulu. Check it out if you want. And Matt, you had something you want to show? Yeah, for uh, for my my fellow X Men fans uh, and tabletop fans, Marvel United X Men is like if you're an X Men fan and you've been looking for like a game, this it, it's like every dream character so far has like popped up in this game like omega red is the newest stretch goal it's on kickstarter now uh we're going to have uh a full preview and a video of like how to play uh coming soon and you can check out all our coverage on comicbook.com of it but like at this point it's like dazzler emma frost uh uh, so many sunfire so many characters are like in this game already and i'm just praying that we're gonna get maggot it's gonna happen we brought him up earlier Matt's agenda, if you for for the love of Lord, I want this to happen so bad. So uh, I would love to see some of those 90s characters hit this game. But you can check out all our coverage on the site. That's me. Oh, yeah. I started watching Harley Quinn. It was uh, recommended so many times, the animated series on HBO Max. Yes. Awesome. Totally forgot. I wanted to shout that out. This was because of the viewers. Everyone was saying, Janelle, you got to watch this. And I am just loving it. It's so good. So that's really good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Omar, Omar the Night, I will definitely be watching that Snowfall finale tonight. Uh, one of the best shows on TV since The Wire. The comparisons get made all the time, but they don't need to be compared. Snowfall is its own thing, and it's great. Finale of this season. This season has been just – I think this is the season that really is going to put it on the main – like more of a mainstream map. So, yeah, Snowfall finale is coming. I'll be checking that out as well. That'll be the Oh yeah, I mean Peaky Blinders is is good. I missed that. I yeah, missed that trade. So oh, yeah. good. Peaky Blinders is on Netflix. Snowfall is on Hulu FX. Like you can stream these things. There are some great shows, crime drama shows out there. If you guys want to really get into those, all right, that'll do it for this episode of uh, Comic Book Nation. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, we are all on your favorite streaming platforms, including iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and you know all the rest. Uh, new episodes are up every Wednesday. And uh, if you love the show, go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. If you're looking for us, if you're watching the live video, we go live every Wednesday at noon on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. But you can always watch back on any of those platforms if you miss the live stream. If you want to see us, any of us, or talk to us, we are at our various Twitter handles. You can see on the screen if you're watching, if you're listening. I am at Kofi Outlaw. I am Matt Aguilar, CB. I am at Janelle Wheeler. And thank you guys again for tuning in and riding with us. We will be back next week, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about Mortal Kombat, the Falcon Winter Soldier, and a whole lot of other stuff that's probably going to drop in between. So we will see you guys then. This is Comic Book Nation, and we're out. Peace.